Well, hey, each week of Advent, we've been sharing a little bit about some different ministries that we support um, locally, and, uh, and so each week we've been highlighting one of those and, and having somebody from that organization come and just share a little bit about their ministry and their impact, and uh, this morning we're going to hear about the ministry of Care Portal, which um, a lot of you guys are on the email list here. If you're not and you don't get those Care Portal emails or emails from us in general, just write your email address on our um, those little cards that you have on your program, and put it in the offering box, which is on the back table, and we'll be at, and just write uh, add me to the email list, and we'll get those to you. But you've seen a lot of updates of things going on. We've been Care Portal has been live for about a year and a half in Buchanan and Andrew counties. And um, if you don't know what that is, it, it gives uh, it's a technology that gives access to Children's Division to send out requests for the families that they're dealing with in crisis in our community. Um, and uh, those go out to the churches that have signed up to be a part of that Care Portal network to kind of uh, step into that space with them and come alongside them. Um, we just had a meeting this past week with pastors uh, that are a part of that network in St. Joe, and we had four new churches that are getting ready to, to come on board. So we're, we're at about 12 uh, churches here in our community that have said, yes, we want to be engaged in that space with you. And so I think uh, we, we've had 68 requests that have come through the Care Portal um, network here in the last year and a half. And um, the church in St. Joe has filled over 50 of those requests um, and met those needs, which is awesome on a lot of levels. Um, But it gives the people in the churches in St. Joe a direct uh, contact with that family. And um, and it it gets us out um, into the community, um, giving and connecting with people and it's led to some beautiful relationships with, I hope, I hope here in, in the next couple of weeks, Sam will get to share with you kind of one of our recent encounters that was uh, pretty powerful. So this morning, um, Tate Williams is here. Um, he's spoken here a couple of times over the last few years. And Tate is the, the director for Missouri and Kansas for Care Portal and was engaged with us pretty early on in the process of getting the guest house and really helping us navigate how to do that well and, um, and even just financially helping us in that way and has just become a really dear friend to me as I've uh, taken on this role of I'm a pastoral ambassador for kind of Northwest Missouri. So we spend a lot of time together, and um, I asked him to come up today, and it didn't really just seem... Uh, right for him to drive from Kansas City to speak for 10 minutes. So I said, hey, you can have the whole time. And uh, so he's going to share with us today. So let's bring up Tate. Thanks, Bob. I have my timer set. <clears throat> All right, so Bob did the, pretty much the whole thing. Um, so, so there you go. Um, thank you for having me. Uh, I can't tell you how much fun it is to be here with you guys. Um, Bob said it, we've been, we've been connected for a while, um, and it is just remarkable, remarkable to see what God is doing in and through this family. Um, you guys are doing unbelievable things. Um, you really are, and it's, it's a blessing to be part of it with you from a distance, um, so I live in Kansas City with my wife and our four kids there. Um, it's been a crazy last seven years. We've been married for seven years. Um, not originally from KC, from Chicago. She's from southeast Kansas. I was in construction. She's a pediatric physical therapist. Um, and then a few years ago, uh, got married and decided that we were going to, when it came to family planning, we were going to open up all the options. Um, 
And what that meant for us is that we were going to get licensed as foster parents, um, and we were going to just see what God did. Well, three foster children who are now adopted and a biological son later, um, all four under six, our hands are a little bit full um, these days. And so pray for her while I'm here uh, because she's with them. Um, So... um, I am the state director for Care Portal um, here in Missouri. What that means is that I get to support our teams um, who are working directly with churches all across the state of Missouri. I do that work for Kansas as well. I also help with our kind of national scope. Um, so what is, what is this Care Portal thing? Bob gave a quick summary, but really it's a movement of churches working together on behalf of children and families in crisis. It's really just that simple. Uh, there's a lot of components that go into it to make that happen. Um, but the question that you should be asking, and hopefully you've asked this, if you, uh, if you haven't asked it already, you should, I'll help you ask it, and that is why, why? Why does this thing need to exist, and why is our church involved? Um, and the why is, uh, is, it really breaks down to, to, to this. There are social services, whether it's state agencies, the court systems, or public school social workers who are engaged with the lives of children and families in crisis, those families, many of whom you do not know. You don't know many of these families. Um, However, there are people in this community who do. They have legal authority and mandate to come alongside of families and children in crisis and to do what they can, it's called services, provide services for them. Meanwhile, in every community across this country and and almost the world these days, uh, there are local churches who have a biblical mandate to care for children and families in crisis. So you have two entities in every community. One has a legal mandate, one has a biblical mandate, to care for the same people. So Care Portal attempts to bridge the gap. The problem that exists is that those systems often don't work with each other very well. Okay, so state and church, we know a lot about that in this country. Um, There's some policies in place, not laws, but policies in place that maintain separation of these entities. So there's a need for a middle space, a bridge in between these entities to allow them to collaborate together. Okay, so that's the, the operating theory that we work off of. But I want to bring some, some scriptural context to the why of Care Portal for a minute. So if you would, uh, open your app or your Bible um, and go to Mark chapter 10, 13 through 16. So the question is why, why, why is there a problem? Why is there an issue? Why aren't, why aren't every Why isn't every child and family in crisis connected to disciples and connected to Christians for care? Well, let's look at Mark chapter 10. We're going to go to verse 13. What I want to paint a picture for here is this reality that this is as old, this problem, this why is as old as the the idea of being a disciple itself. Okay? All right, so let me read this to you. And they were bringing children to him, that he might touch them. 
and the disciples rebuked them. But when Jesus saw it, he was indignant and said to them, Let the little children come to me, do not hinder them, for to such belongs the kingdom of God. Truly I say to you, whoever does not receive the kingdom of God like a child shall not enter it. And he took them in his arms and blessed them, laying his hands on them. I'm sure if I was to ask for a show of hands, I'm not going to, I'm sure if I was to ask for a show of hands of those of you who claim to be a disciple of Jesus, we'd see a lot of hands raised in this space. Typical of a church, you'd expect a lot of people to say, yeah, I'm a disciple. I'm a disciple of this guy, Jesus, okay? I would raise my hand as well. However, in this text, there's a problem. Who stopped the kids from coming to Jesus? The disciples. So all of us who are here raising our hands, saying I'm a disciple of Jesus, am I stopping children from being touched by Jesus? When Jesus saw it, he was indignant. To the point of almost saying, what have you been learning? What did, what did you, have you not gotten it this whole time? The problem that exists today that Care Portal's involved with is this reality that the disciples of Jesus are very busy. They're saying yes to a lot of things. But maybe the things they're saying yes to aren't the things that Jesus ever asked them to say yes to. Maybe you and I have filled our lives with things that we want Jesus to like. We hope is what Jesus would want us to be doing. All the while ignoring the very simple things, very basic things that he's told us to be doing all along. This isn't an issue just here. This is an issue in St. Joe. This isn't just an issue in, in the state of Missouri. This is an issue globally for disciples. Those who claim Jesus are just like the very first group of disciples. We have all sorts of ideas that we come up with about what we wish he would want us to be doing. And we ignore the very basic things that he told us to do. Suffer the little children to come unto me and forbid them not. Okay, so how's Care Portal addressing this problem? Uh, there's teams of people that we um, identify, come alongside, empower to work alongside of every church that we work with. Really for the purpose of, as this church, as your body is learning these lessons, as you as disciples are encountering this truth, you're now connected to a global network of churches who are together learning this truth, asking each other questions, coming alongside of each other and coaching each other in this space. So we leverage technology, we leverage training, we leverage um, our partnerships with state agencies to do this work. It's really exciting, so if you were to ask me how are things going, we're a couple of years in, how are things going with Care Portal? My answer would be, well, it depends on who you're asking. Um, so for some people, um, and in some churches, the answer is, well, things are going incredibly well, um, incredibly well. We have 
thousands of churches who are involved. Um, we are active in 13 states. Um, there have been over 18,000 children since we flipped the switch on this thing two and a half years ago who have now been touched by a local church who connected them through a social worker um, or a social worker connected the church to the family. Astounding, staggering growth. Um, perhaps even growth that many of you may have only heard of in spaces like Uber or the use of iPhones. Staggering kind of viral growth that we're seeing. So really, really exciting from the standpoint of are we getting needs to the disciples? Yeah. We're getting a lot of needs to the disciples. You guys got 68 of them. Okay? Are the disciples responding? Good question. <laughs> That's where we have to take a step back, and we as an organization are doing that currently and evaluating, are we actually helping the disciples respond? But really... The answer to that question of our churches responding, not our churches being notified, our churches now connected to kids and families in crisis. The question of are you responding is really a question that only you can answer. Okay? We can evaluate from the outside um, from what's happening via the technology, but really, ultimately, that question, how is it going, how our church is responding is really a question that only you, the disciple, can answer. How are you responding? Okay? All right, so I'm going to shift a little bit away from just a care portal update and shift into more of a mini-sermonette, if I haven't done that already. I'm going to do a little sermon. Um, but really, what I want to unpack here is that the reality today, just like in Scripture, the disciples that make up the churches involved with care portals so struggle to believe that there's enough time, money, and passion for the children in their communities. They're focused on feeling like they barely have enough for themselves, or they think that Jesus has higher priorities than the hundreds of children in crisis in St. Joseph, Missouri. Is Jesus indignant? with that response? Is he indignant when my heart responds that way? This is the, the key point I want us to dive into. We're talking about love. We're talking about the incarnation. Here's some key points that I want us to dive into, okay? Anytime that we react to opportunities out of a deficit, out of a lack, and we respond without consulting Jesus, like the disciples, right? They were just responding based on what they thought was best, our response will always be no. There won't ever be enough money, time, and capacity for you to get what you want and meet the needs that will come to you today, this week, this Christmas season, next year. Reality is that you will have to stop spending money, time, and your passion on some things in order to embrace the kingdom and its king. You won't be able to have both your hopes and dreams and his will. You can't. It's not possible. The disciples proved it for us. 
he rebuked him. And he said, get after what's important for me or you're not the disciples. Okay? All right. The kingdom of God is an assault on your budget, your schedule, and your family plan. Sounds harsh, right? It is. Money is his, your time is his, and your family is his. But your budget, your schedule, and your family plan are your ways of telling him, just like the disciples did, we have a better plan. Okay? My hope and my prayer is that those who are connected with Care Portal, those are here in this church, <clears throat> embrace the process of learning about the needs in the community um, and that their response is to pray first that God's will will be done, not their own will will be done. Okay? All right. As we look towards this incarnation, this reality, I want us to dive into the narrative, all right? The real narrative of what it looked like for those who claim to be disciples of Jesus, of God, his children, as they embrace this incarnation, God with us, God among us. So from the moment that Jesus' birth was announced, the people who heard it had to confront either I work within my budget, my family plan, my schedule, or I walk away from it to embrace this new reality, this new story, okay? Let's uh, hear from the Word of God. Luke chapter 1, verse 34 through 38. The angel has appeared to Mary, and she is wrestling with her fear as she responds. And Mary said to the angel, how will this be since I'm a virgin? The angel answered her, the Holy Spirit will come upon you. The power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the child to be born will be called Holy, the Son of God. And behold, your relative Elizabeth in her old age, has also conceived a son, and this is the sixth month with her, who is called barren, for nothing will be impossible with God. And Mary said, Behold, I'm the servant of the Lord. Let it be according to your word. And the angel departed from her. Let's jump to Matthew chapter 1, verse 19 through 25. And her husband, Joseph, being a just man and unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to divorce her quietly. But as he was considering these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to make Mary or take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. And she will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins." And all this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke from sleep, he did, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. He took his wife, but knew her not 
until she had given birth to a son, and he called his name Jesus. These two individuals were, were presented with an opportunity, a request. Um, they could have said no. Let's be real transparent here. The risk Mary was assuming, she was not ignorant to what she was saying yes to. She was not naive. Yeah, she was young, we assume. But she was not naive. Women were literally being killed if they were caught sleeping around. Okay? Do you understand that? We have no paradigm for this, but this is a reality in her life. You see it throughout Scripture, just in Jesus' life later. They were still killing women if they were caught in infidelity. So for her to be pregnant means she's having sex, right? That's the only thing that it could have meant. So she's signing up for a huge risk. Money's out the window. Her family plans out the window. Her honor's out the window if she says yes to this. Yes. Yes. I'll do it. Joseph. Honorable dude. Logical. Thoughtful. Budgeted. Family plan worked out. He had a career. He has aspirations. He has goals. In a moment, he has to confront the reality of a baby. There's a kid now. Okay, what on earth do I do? And you hear he has a big plan, thoughtful plan. Goes to sleep, gets confronted with the truth, wakes up, responds to the truth. He says yes. His was a big risk too, okay? Don't minimize this, all right? Huge risk that he's taking on. He's dishonoring his entire family. He's an heir of the King David. Do you understand this? Those of you who know your history, Joseph is an heir of the throne. So now he's taking in a woman who really logically, and Scripture bears it out, he thought she was cheating. He says yes. We often make the idea of knowing God's will a complex process that takes place inside of our heads requires years of study and preparation. However, Mary and Joseph had to make a decision to say yes to a baby and all of the complexities associated with that baby in a moment. For them, the kingdom was practical and tangible, and they were terrified. For many of us, the kingdom often feels distant and theoretical. Sometimes we go to church to learn about it and occasionally Think about it in our spare time. But imagine for a moment that you were in a place where there was a baby who needed you to care for them, where there was a single mom who needed support as she was caring for a baby, and the Word of God told you to respond, yet everything in your being says, that goes against my budget, I don't have the money. That goes against my schedule, I don't have the time, and that goes against the plan I had for my life. <clears throat> what if the work of the kingdom was so practical that you have to confront the fear and say yes right now? Right now. Mary's yes is on record. We have it on record. Joseph's yes is on record. And because of that, we've put them on this pedestal 
of like, oh, wow, whoa, that's some serious faith. That's amazing. But understand that that's their world was just like your world. And they had to say yes in a moment to the scriptural, biblical, angelic, spiritual request. If you claim that a guy whose nickname is father of the fatherless and defender of single moms is your daddy then you better be ready to be involved with fatherless kids and families in crisis in your community. Okay, You don't get to claim him as your dad and not function as part of his family. Community in St. Joseph is bringing children and families in crisis to you, a disciple of Jesus, saying, we hear that this guy can heal them. We'd love to see him. How are you going to respond? Saying yes, saying yes will confront you with the fear that lives deep inside of your heart. We're addicted to it. Fear makes us work hard. Working hard makes us feel like we have control. Control means that we don't have to desperately depend on God every moment. So in order to maintain control, we say yes to things we can control and no to things that would put us out of control. Kids and families in crisis destroy any sense of control that you want to have over your life. Um, Saying yes will confront the fear. Here's the gospel story in a nutshell. Here's the Christmas story in a nutshell. Saying yes to God's will will force you to confront fear. But the victory that we are promised in Christ will empower you to move beyond that fear. Here's how it works. A young couple said yes to God in the face of tremendous fear. Their yes welcomed the incarnate Son of God as a child into their life. That child grew up and lived a radical message about how his father so loved his children that he would do anything for them, anything to make them his. But the secret that this one knew, that no one else knew, was that the only way that God could make good on his promise to say yes to us was that he would have to say no to the only child that ever actually deserved his love. There was only one that ever had a right to claim God as father. There's only been one. Yet the secret to our story as children of God, for us to claim that story, the son had to say, I'm willing to be told no, so that they can be welcomed in. I know this is fast-forwarding in our, on our Christological calendar for the year, but I'm going to tell you the story of the night that Jesus was betrayed. Late one night in his favorite garden, Jesus asked his daddy, Hey, is there any other way 
any other way that we can do this? Is there any way that you could be both father of all of these fatherless kids and (laughs) that I don't have to die? That I don't have to deal with this whole death thing, that we don't have to figure that out? Is there any way? And the answer was loud and clear. You see, unlike the disciples, God's yes, God's yes and Jesus' yes means that they had to say no to something else, okay? So like you and I, we can't say yes to everything. We can't say yes to everything. So Jesus was confronted with this story of either I love my father and I submit to his will. I'm committed to this plan or else They're not in. The cost of our being part of the family was death. Our death was deserved. That's what we get. We sin, death. That's what what the story is. So the only way to overcome that was that the one who didn't need to die had to say, I'll die, so that they can be welcomed in. But you have to understand that fear is, is robbing you and I of this ability to say yes. And it attempted to rob you and I of family. But Christ pressed through. He went all the way to the cross. He went to the grave and praised Jesus. He rose. For freedom Christ has set us free. Stand firm, therefore, and do not submit again to the yoke of slavery. For you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption as sons, by whom we cry, Abba, Father. If you've embraced the truth of Christmas, and as you see the needs of children and families in the community, and you wrestle with how you should respond, please reach out to your leadership. Please reach out to your leadership. Don't assume that you know how you're supposed to respond, and don't assume that you can do this wrestling alone in isolation. God's put leaders in your life to help guide you as you confront the truth of, okay, I'm now a disciple through the yes of Jesus Christ. I'm in. Now I'm confronted with this reality of kids in need, families in crisis, but I have this big plan for my life. And now I'm torn up about what the heck do I do about that plan. Don't deal with that in isolation. Don't think that you can figure this out alone. For sure be praying. But go to your leadership. And don't don't act as if there's only one way to respond. The way that my family and I responded might not be the way that God's calling you to respond. So don't don't put something up on a pedestal as the goal in your response. Don't check out like that. Check in and really dig what is it that God's calling you to do? How are you to respond as a disciple? There's a couple of... uh, um, A couple of texts I wanted us to read. I lost them somewhere in my notes. 
This is from 1 John 4, 9 through 10. Uh, In this, the love of God was made manifest among us, that God sent his only son into the world so that we might live through him. In this is love, not that we have loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. Jesus, uh, Joseph and Mary had to embrace a yes in the face of incredible fear. The disciples had to embrace yes um, in the face of wanting the kingdom to look differently than a bunch of, bunch of kids, a bunch of families in crisis. You have a yes that you're being asked for. It means you have to say no to something else. Um, it means you have to say no to a lot of other things. So wrestle with that in your heart. If you haven't ever believed that you're loved and adopted and that God has said yes to you, that he will never say no. He'll never say no because of Jesus. Then you need to ask his Holy Spirit for help to believe in that truth now. Okay? So if you've believed in the truth, then respond. Respond as a disciple. Ask for help in navigating how to respond. But if you've never believed that you are adopted, that you're welcomed in, that someone has said yes to you, accept that truth now. Bob mentioned it. It's two weeks from now, right? There's going to be an adoption or a a baptism. Yeah. Do it. Respond yes that way. Um, Get baptized. It's part of your story. I'm excited about what God's doing in and through this church on behalf of kids and families in the community. I'm excited that I get to partner with you and with all of the other churches across this state, across the country, to do good work. I'm so grateful, so honored for what you all are are participating in. But what I'm most excited about is that you and I are brothers and sisters in Christ. That we are family um, and that we together get to learn about what it means to get this thing wrong um, and to have all of these yeses to other things in our life and then to get rebuked by Jesus together. Believe me when I say this, as I was preparing this, uh, this, this hit me pretty hard. Um, because my wife and I have yeses. We have, we have lots of yeses out there right now. But we, we need to reevaluate. We need to take stock of what are the yeses that we've been saying no, yes to and what are the, the things that we should be saying no to so that we can be saying yes um, to the things that, that God has put in front of us, specifically when it comes to kids and families um, in crisis, those who need him. So, With that said, I'm going to pray. I'm going to pray for you, but I need you to pray for me, okay? And I need you to pray for your leadership, um, the leadership of this church, and pray for each other too. So let's, let's pray together.